Snow is falling all around me. Children are playing, having fun. Woo! This season, love and understanding. Merry Christmas, everyone, 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 everyone. <laughs> Christmas listeners, I hope that didn't burst your eardrums <laughs> on a happy, happy day. We hope you're having a, a wonderful Christmas break. This is coming out on Boxing Day, I think. Boxing Day, it? yeah, it's fight night tonight. Fight night? Boxing Day. Oh, <laughs> good. <laughs> More hilarious jokes like that coming up. I don't doubt it. Uh, listeners, I hope you've been having a good week. We have got a slightly different sort of show for you this week. It's going to be a good one, though. It's going to be a really nice little nugget of a Christmas joy because we're going to do a movie review. We're going to do Passengers. Uh, that's Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence's new sci-fi steamy romance thing. Mm. And then also we've got a Christmas quiz coming up. We're going to do a bit of a review of 2016. Is that correct? That's right, listeners. You might remember a few episodes ago, one of our listeners, David Samuel, got in touch and asked us various what are your top five questions that we couldn't answer on the spot. So instead, we're going to use that to talk a bit about 2016. And of course, we've also got your emails and tweets. You know, we hope people still are listening to us after we appear to have one of the least popular opinions on the planet <laughs> in our thoughts. On I've never last felt week. so alone in the galaxy. That's no, I, no, that's very much a far, far away. Yeah. Um, we got so much correspondence on Rogue One and with such well-argued points, so much detail, so many spoilers... So what we're going to do is rather than just put this into our email section here, that is going to be, and this is the last time we'll do this for ages and ages, we promise, that is going to be its own separate mini episode. So if you are still thinking about Rogue One or you're still thinking, why on earth did the Bailey Bros react the way they did, then listen to what our listeners have to say and join the discussion. It's going to be, it's going to be quite a unique podcast experience, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm slightly worried that this little mini episode is going to be longer than this episode. I think that's a very likely probability <laughs> yes but yeah we'll come back to emails and tweets later on and also i should do the number check thing which we often forget it's season two episode five correct and i have to say a major major massive thank you to our first patreon donor are you aware of this phil i am aware of this, this is fantastic thank you very much and should we say who it's to via the jingle that we promised yeah let's do that now listeners i can tell you i'm just it's a little by way of explanation for what you're about to hear our first uh, patreon sponsor is Kufucius, one of our big fans, and you will have heard his great emails uh, many times over the episodes. So, that out of the way, let's hear it. Wise, cool, totally not a doofus, because he supports us on Patreon. He's Kufucius. Mm, and uh, just a reminder, if you would like to get one of those fantastic jingles, uh, the way we're doing that is if you are sponsoring us on Patreon, which is awesome if you are, then there are some rewards associated with that. We want to say thank you. So if you go to patreon.com forward slash super Brady bros, is that right, Laurie? Yeah, that'll tell you everything you need to know. And you can find out all the details of what the, the different packages, I want to say packages. Check it out. It's great. Yeah, good stuff. And just to say, Confucius, I mean, that jingle is not a one-off either. That is going to join the pantheon of super Brady bros jingles. So <laughs> listen out for it in recurring episodes. And same to any listeners who do the same. Yep. And you know what, listeners? I'm cracking the time machine out of retirement very briefly just for this episode to give us a bit of Christmassy ambience. So let's teleport to a crackling fire somewhere. Well, here we are. And don't you feel all warm and toasty, Phil? Oh, it's so warm and toasty. Right, listeners, without any more ado, let's get cracking. Get the joke? Crackers? Mmm. Sorry, have you ever wondered what it'd be like to be utterly beautiful? 
What do you mean, have I ever wondered? <laughs> well, clearly you're not utterly beautiful. No offence. Well, sorry, no, what, 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 do you, what do you mean, Phil? As in, like, movie star beautiful. Yeah, why, what do, what do you mean? <laughs> I don't in, have to wonder. As in, <laughs> well, well, okay, what's it like then, Laurie, being utterly beautiful? That's quite ordinary for me, to be honest, yeah. Right, okay. You never just go with what I'm saying. I was going with it. <laughs> I was supposed to make a joke out of this. Do you want me to let me rewind that? Go out again. Have you ever wondered what it'd be like to be utterly beautiful, Laurie? Yeah, all the time, every day. I just, I just sometimes wonder what it'd be like to be Chris Pratt and uh, Jennifer Lawrence. Do you think they're beautiful people? I think they are possibly two of the most beautiful people on the planet right now. How about that? Even if they're not actually the most beautiful people, they are kind of the most beautiful people because we've made them the most beautiful people. Wow, that's quite a meta comment there. Because our suppose... culture has decided what beauty is and put them in the pedestal. I guess so. I would have said they're both quite unusual looking guys, quite you know, and I think they're more loved because of their personality. Like Jennifer Lawrence is just an awesome actress and Chris Pratt is Mr. Cool Funny Man. Yeah, beautiful on the inside and outside. Oh, okay. Well, no, you've won me over Have now. you ever wondered if, like, it's better being them? I don't know. I sort of want to go back to my other joke and say, yeah, I don't have to wonder. Can we, how about, can we review the film we're reviewing instead? <laughs> well, the thing is, is I, I think this is going to come in later. So it's not just a silly little opener, listeners. It has a, a little bit of discussion later on. Imagine. But this is Passengers. This is a film starring Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence, two of the most beautiful people in the world. And they are on a spaceship called the Avalon. They're heading towards a new planet to, to colonize, basically. And uh, the planet's called Homestead 2. And unfortunately, on their route, which is going to take over 120 or... Are they frozen? Are they in stasis? They're in hibernation, basically. And they're 30 years into their 130-odd year journey when suddenly Chris Pratt, Jim Preston, wakes up way, 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 way too early. And suddenly he's like, what what on earth? I've woken up. I'm meant to be here. I was was meant to be ready to go and enjoy this new planet that we're going to colonize. Cue the movie. This is a clip, actually, in fact, which ties in quite nicely because this is Jim discovering he has woken up too soon. He was sort of walking onto a bridge or something, is he? He's on an observation deck. Okay, here we go. Welcome to the observatory. What can I show you? We're supposed to land soon. <laughs> I'm... I'm the only one awake. I don't understand. What can I show you? Show me Homestead 2. Homestead 2 is the fourth planet of the Bhakti system. Right. And where are we? We are in transit from Earth to Homestead 2. We will arrive at approximately 90 years. What? We land on Homestead 2 in 90 years, three weeks and one day. No. Wait, how long ago did we leave Earth? Approximately 30 years ago. I woke up too soon. So there you go. Nice dun-dun-dun at the end. Yeah. Jim Preston wakes up and finds that he is essentially being given a life sentence of being on this spaceship, the Avalon this huge sort of liner carrying 5,000 people designed to basically take care of them until they arrive at their destination. But then they're not meant to make up, wake up until like they're four months out from the actual destination. And he's going to spend a lifetime there. Well, but also Jennifer Lawrence isn't awake yet. No, she's not. I thought it was a sort of double act, this movie. It is a double act. And eventually she is also awoken for various mysterious reasons, which mm. I won't go in here. So she she finds herself awake now, and now you have the two, arguably the two most beautiful people on the entire planet, stuck on a spaceship with only each other to to 
talk to and enjoy and have fun for 90 years with for 90 years and just yeah. reassure me so they, they can't leave the spaceship they can't go back into hypersleep what's the deal no so much of the film is sort of discussing what whether or not there's any hope of of trying to kind of get back into the the natural rhythm of the the course of their life it just isn't going to happen thankfully the avalon is kitted out with all the sort of modern amenities you might like nice food a basketball court uh, a swimming pool a place to do a little dance mat nice kind of feature version it's all very trendy all state of the art stuff but they're just they don't want to spend their whole life on a spaceship okay uh, sorry I've got more questions maybe these are annoying questions you just tell me if I'm uh, breaching the wrong sort of ground here Phil but why does it have all those mod cons if it's assuming all its inhabitants will be asleep for the entire journey well you've hit on one of the <laughs> okay. one of the slightly just sort of bizarre little plot points sure of the there's movie. there's no food. They're all going to, they're just going to die within weeks. Well, it doesn't seem to present it. Like basically, this is kitted out for, I think, just any, anything and everything they might want and it's taken care of. Okay. They don't, I think the idea is the Avalon is kind of like its own ecosystem. And I think the idea is that when it eventually lands on the planet, it forms the sort of first little base. Oh, so the ship itself. Yeah. Oh, so I, maybe it sort of opens up and becomes the number one entertainment centre, which is what, you, of course, you need first. Yeah, you, you need to have planet. a mall, don't you? In your well, own, especially yeah. a dance mat. Yeah, that <laughs> makes sense now. So I think that's kind of what they're going at. But there's, there's a couple of little technical sort of, oh, what about this? What about that? It doesn't really care about those sort of things. This is a science fiction movie, but I think it's possibly the furthest away from sort of thoughtful, pensive sci-fi you could ever get to. Oh, really? Because, you know, with your clever intro, now I'm wondering, ooh, two people thrown together, you know, that sort of myth that often gets thrown around. It's just you and me and we've got to repopulate the Earth. Would there be romantic boundaries or not? That's, that sounds like quite a deep sci-fi, you know, a classic even. You'd think there would be some potential there, but the film just isn't really interested in exploring those sort of well, even ideas. That. And particularly the setup for how these two people come to be in this situation kind of shuns that sort of aspect of the, uh, of the, the themes that could come out of this situation. The film very much wants to pursue, I think, a sort of light-hearted, romantic film with a bit of science fiction in there with a little bit of an edge towards the end. It's very sort of hard to pin down exactly what this film wants to be and who's it for. Well, may I say, having not seen it, Phil, the way you're describing it, it sounds like they <laughs> had a few interesting ideas that they threw out of the window to focus on the least interesting one. And what's the least interesting one in your mind? Making it a rom-com in space. Is that what they've done? It's not really a rom-com, though. It doesn't it? I'm, it's, it's a really difficult one to pin down, and I think that's possibly why it's got a bit of a critical mauling, it seems like. Has it? Well, it. I haven't seen many positive reviews. I think people have generally said it's quite sort of standard it doesn't really try and push the boat out in any sort of direction generally speaking i think science fiction is generally the genre for sort of deep thought and and questioning what it is to be human and hum and humanity and what we're here for why are we in this universe the film just like nah these guys are beautiful let's see them fall in love with each other and also <laughs> get it on a little bit oh really yeah it's not too uh explicit but it is steamy it's steamy in space you know <laughs> Sexy, sexy space. It's so sexy. It sounds like one of those 1970s films that had a very sort of risky poster. Yeah, it's, well, it's just so sexy. And isn't it convenient that Jennifer Lawrence just loves swimming, so she's always in her swimming costume oh, right. doing her swimming, even that though it's a spaceship. That is on the trailers, isn't it? And yeah. I remember seeing a quote from Chris Pratt about this, actually, on some website somewhere, where he said, come for the nudity, which was, you know, red flag number one, stay for the story, I think is what he said. So they seem to be aware that that steaminess is what's drawing people to the film. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Um, it's 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 tasteful. It's tasteful. It is. It's tasteful. not. It's Good. not sort of. 
it's keeping it steamy, but in like a, a PG sort of way or, okay. or a 12A sort of way. I think it's 12A. <laughs> um, you see a lot more of Chris Pratt than you do of Jennifer Lawrence. That's all I'll say. Okay. Message received. But I have to kind of say, I kind of enjoyed this film. Did you? I didn't think it was great. I didn't think it was the best thing ever. I wasn't getting that vibe from you. That's a surprise. I didn't think it was a well sort of, it's not particularly well put together film, but it is undeniable. You've got two fantastic lead actors and they've got chemistry on screen. There's a sort of natural ease about them. They are beautiful. And so they play on that and they make that sort of an appealing part of the the story and sort of it's nice seeing nice people be nice together like as in there's kind of nothing to object to in the situation mm. uh, it's not just those two though there are a couple of other characters that do pop up but in kind of unexpected Isn't ways there a robot waiter or something? so there's a robot waiter played by martin sheen who recently has ditched acting to fight fascism in wales believe it or not is it actually true yeah oh i didn't know that yeah so he well this clearly is going to be his last film role then but he plays uh, arthur the barman who kind of gives sort of sage wisdom in a very robotic way to to these two people now listeners i need to be really clear i would like to say more about this film but unfortunately there's a there's a spoiler which isn't in the trailer it hints at it but it doesn't really touch on it that actually comes out kind of within the first third of the movie and that's kind of the where the tension lies and all that sort of stuff but I can't spoil it because I don't want to and I don't okay. I don't feel right. like it's right to, but it is a bit frustrating. So I apologise basically. It's a slightly detail-free review, you mean? Yeah, unfortunately, I can't really engage with it beyond what I have done. It's a bit of a shame because I think the trailer promises a different sort of movie than you end up with. Okay. I'm sure that people will get to the end of the movie and think, oh, what was that? And it might not be everyone's cup of tea. But for me, I think you kind of... I went in with low, 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 low expectations because of the reviews that I'd, I'd heard. I hadn't read them, but I'd heard, had seen the scores that it was getting. And so I kind of went in and had a good time. I kind of enjoyed it. There's nothing really to sort of cause offence. There's nothing really to sort of object to. I think it's a genre thing. It's it's sci-fi, but in a kind of low-key, yeah. schmaltzy B-movie sort of sci-fi. But it's still undeniably a little bit charming. I have to admit, you're not exactly selling it to me, because as nice as it is, people are flooded with alternative choices over the holiday season. I mean, Rogue One will continue to draw in millions in ticket sales. Probably there are some people who haven't seen Moana or Fantastic Beasts or Sully. There's going to be plenty of uh, films to catch up on. Are you telling people they should go and see this? Are there highlights in it? I'm saying you could go see this and it wouldn't be the worst time of your life. Okay. So if you've got a lady friend who really doesn't want to see Star Wars, but you kind of want to see something which is a little bit enjoyable, go for it. It's not It's not going to harm you. It's not going to... I don't think it's going to bore you. It's just not going to wow you. I don't think this film is about wowing. It's kind of just quite nice. Gentle. It's almost the sort of movie which you could imagine being on on a Sunday afternoon and you just kind of enjoy it for what it is. And are Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence going to regret being in it because it's sort of turkeying a little bit? Christmas turkeying, you might say. <laughs> or, or, uh, or do they equip themselves well enough that it doesn't matter? They come off well, I think. I think okay. they do a good job. The story is very thin and they make the most out of it. They keep it fun and they keep it interesting. I wanted to see how it ended, but... I'm probably going to forget about it tomorrow. Okay. All right. What's the grade, man? Uh, I'm going to give it, I think, a B, just a straight down the middle B, or maybe even B minus. I think if they could have drawn out some of the themes that naturally emerge because of this sort of idea of being trapped with one other person, it would have been a bit better. If you really want to have some deep thought sci-fi, I'd go see something like Moon with Sam Rockwell. I think that's exploring similar ideas, but in a much different direction. That's a good one to check out. But if you just want some sort of popcorn fun with with kind of an outing on the cinema, this is perfectly fine. Good stuff, man. Okay, any bonuses? You'd be prepared to see some of the worst beards you've ever seen. 
Okay. Yep. There's I'm quite a few beards. <laughs> also, to, be- not on Jennifer Lawrence's part, I take it. Although maybe. Mm. Oh, <laughs> how about that? Also, be prepared to see the bizarrest cameo. Blink and you'll miss it. But it is there, and I could not believe the name I saw in the credits at the end. Good work, Phil. I mean, those two things make me more eager to see the film than everything else that you've just been saying. Well, I'm glad I've wasted your time. Thank you. It's time for the Christmas quiz! Here we go, Laurie. I've written some challenging questions for you. Are you ready? Can you handle it? Yeah, I'm ready. For, I'm born ready for this. I kind of think thing. you're not going to do very well. I've quizzed you twice. You're and you've too much of a Scrooge. Average. You don't know about. How you don't know about Very Christmas. dare you to call me a Scrooge at this most festive of seasons. <laughs> I think you're going to get unstuck like like a Santa on a roof. Took you a while, didn't it? Yeah. No, I don't think <laughs> don't, that's going to happen. Don't the gap. Come on, <laughs> give me a little bit of leeway. Anyway, should we crack on with the quiz? I'm ready. Let's now, Laurie. I know we're competitive. And do we need to tell us so they can play along, Phil? Yeah, well, exactly. That's what I was going to say to you. It's not about showing off for the for yourself. This is about let's let's include the listeners, the pixels, the bros. They're all listening in. Let's let them have a go as well. You didn't need to tell me this, Phil. I missed, uh, you know, interaction. You told me I had to host this thing, so, <laughs> so I'm going to host okay, yeah. it the best all I right, can. Keep, keep it going. Keep it going. Right here we go. The Christmas movie quiz. All of these are questions around Christmas movies. Ooh, very good. But it all is a bit of trivia. Not exactly my mastermind subject. Mm, boom, boom, <laughs> boom. Right here we go. Question one. Hit me. What is the name of Colin Firth's love interest in Love Actually? Oh, she's Portuguese. And yes. Oh, Anna. <laughs> take a little bit of time, man. Come on, don't is it rush. Not, is it not her? Is that just not the name? Just think a little bit about it. Just take a bit of time. Come on. <laughs> uh, think through the move in your mind. This is how I do it. This is why I, know, I take I know, my time. No, 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 no. I know, but the name is on the tip of my tongue. Sort of. Not really. <laughs> um, just imagine Colin Firth proposing to her. I'm, I'm doing that now. Beautiful. It's his sister. Olivia? Aurelia. Aurelia is correct. Oh, Aurelia. <laughs> Aurelia. Oh, come on, I was sorry. Anna was really close. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. There you go. So, uh, uh, oh, the 100% no. record is bad, already bad, in bad. tatters. I didn't have one to begin with, so that's okay. That's one of the best storylines from that movie, isn't it? I feel like if that wasn't in the movie, I don't think it would be as loved as much as it is. It's a, You know, we did this on The Oxford Show. It's a big Christmas, you know, favourite. I think you were a little bit harsh about it on I The don't, Oxford I Show. I think it's, well, I don't even remember. <laughs> I, I think Al Ryan was a bit hurt by the things you said. <laughs> oh, sorry, Al. I hope not. I do sort of like it. Okay. Give me number two. Okay, question two. What is hidden under the gym at Bedford Falls High School? Bedford Falls High School. What is hidden under the gym? You've gone very trivia here, haven't you, Phil? I think as soon as you hear the answer, you'll kick yourself. Tell me that I've seen this film. You have 100%. Hidden under the gym. And we've even talked about this film. It's a Christmas movie. We've already talked about this film with Al on the BBC Oxford show. Bet there's listeners. Just give me a clue. (laughs) Any other clue? The floor opens up. I mean, the thing that keeps popping into my head is Thunderbirds, and that's obviously not right. <laughs> or Goosebumps, you know, I... Uh, bro, 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 bro. Yeah. It's a Christmas movie quiz. No, I know. Oh, Think is it Santa, the Santa Claus? Yes, it is. Is it the little elf's town thing? <laughs> no. Oh, you do you want me to put you out of misery? Yeah, I do. It's a swimming pool. It's in, in It's a Wonderful Life. The floor opens up at the oh, dance and they man. fall into a swimming pool. Oh, for goodness sake. You really threw me with Bedford Falls. I know. Which sounds so modern. I was thinking, is it a Zac Efron movie? Is there something I've completely <laughs> forgotten? I is try my best to give you. You are totally right. And that is a great scene. Oh, I can't believe it. I'm sorry, George Bailey. Our grandfather forgives you. <laughs> <laughs> He's not really He's our not grandfather. grandfather. No. no, Alvin. Special character. Shout out. Yeah. 
and Kent, of course. Okay, question three, Laurie. I think you might be able to get this one, and I'm going to give you a little bit of leeway on this question because okay. it's not it's not an actual definite answer. I obviously need the leeway. Mm, you do. In Home Alone, why does Kevin end up sleeping in the attic? Why does he end up sleeping in the attic? Is it because he has set up a trap in his bedroom that acts as if he's in there? <laughs> I knew. As soon as I wrote these, I wrote the these thing questions. Is, this is really I not my strong suit. I know, exactly. I'm Mr. I'm Mr. You're Mr. Scrooge. <laughs> if, no, I'm not Mr. Scrooge. I'm just not Mr. Detail. You details. don't love Christmas at all. Oh, uh, now, okay, hold on. The other reason, too scary? <laughs> too scary. Wind blowing through the curtains. I could let me think of some more reasons kids don't want to sleep in their room. Just play through the movie in your mind. Come on. I don't know Home Alone that well. I've only seen it a, a handful of times. Right. I'll tell you the context around the thing. This is why Kevin gets forgotten because he's up in the attic. He gets. Oh, he gets sent up there because he's being naughty. What specifically has he done? I can't remember. It's right at the beginning, and his brothers are being mean to him. His older brother's being mean to him, isn't he? Mm. Uh, and he goes and does something. Does he make? A, does he say a rude language? Does he make a swear? <laughs> does he make a swear? <laughs> Laurie, you are completely out. Just of your come death, on, just hit me with it. He please. gets into a big argument about pizza, and it causes a massive kerfuffle in the kitchen with all the family there oh, because no. Buzz has eaten his cheese pizza, so he starts a fight. So his mum sends him up without me. dinner to the to the attic. Quite Which right Kevin's quite glad about because very important it means he's not going to have to share a bed with his cousin who's a bedwetter. <laughs> oh, embarrassing. Well, Phil, I mean, I hope you're going to give me something I might actually know. These are, are these are quite niche questions, aren't they? <laughs> I think listeners are going to be like, oh, it's so obvious. This is the easiest thing I've ever oh, heard. Man, I do apologise. Well, listeners, if you are finding it difficult, do email in. <laughs> Okay, here's one which I think you should be able to do. In the Santa a lot already. (laughs) In the Santa Claus, he is rescued by ELFS. Mm. What does it stand for? Oh, okay. Now I remember (laughs) ELFS. That's the weird sort of super spy, uh, secret elf organization. After the question, can we play some choice clips from uh, the American kid? He's so weird. (laughs) He's so weird. (laughs) What an odd film, but a good one. ELFS. I'm going to struggle here. I'll give you a point if you get two of the words. Okay. It's about flying, isn't it? There's flight or flying is the F, is it? <laughs> yeah, flight is the F. Flight is the F. Yeah, that's correct. E, L and S still remain. I know that, yes. Service is the S, is it? Nope. <clears throat> Can I get one more? L. What? Think about what the elves do for Santa Claus. Well, I thought they were just a rescue team, but uh, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. So what does the L stand for? <laughs> You're saying for? that like it's obvious, but you've got the answer in front of you. <laughs> Welcome to my world every single time we've ever done a quiz. You're like, come on, man, come on, you can get this. Lost. Life. <laughs> Love. <laughs> Leaves. Right, I'll give you the L if you, and then you can yeah, have a go on, at the E. The L is liberating. So it's oh something liberating flight squad. I don't know. <laughs> Electrifying? Come on, put me out of my misery. It's effective liberating flight squad. That's just awful. I mean, that's I awful on just about eight levels. Right, let's let's uh, make I your... don't feel too much shame because I got flight and I knew exactly what you were talking about. Mm, you did know exactly what we were talking about. I should, what's so funny about that bit of casting is that reminds me of how things used to be done in the old family favourites. And they would like cast a kid who's calculated to be quite super cool. But at a very young age It's very so, weird He seems like a 40 year old man Exactly a, There's something baby. really odd going on there I remember thinking What's this kid about? But still a great film 
we find if we fly, we can get around much faster. If we fly. And his voice kind of disappears. A lot of vocal fry he's going like, on. Yeah, and he's got like a really, like, like he's doing it emotively. He should be in a boy band or something. <laughs> yeah. Very odd. That Was was that your top Christmas film? I, I love remember. the Santa Claus. It's, it's got a lot of nostalgia for me. It's brilliant. See, Tim Allen, fantastic in it. Incidentally, Phil, and I know we're wandering off topic here, partly because I don't want to because <laughs> I'm getting everything wrong. Uh, there's a film that I actually haven't seen yet because it, it looked bad to me. And this was before we did our podcast. But... Bruce Almighty 2, Evan Almighty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they use the Santa Claus gimmicks. And because uh, Evan gets turned into Noah, basically, he, he grows beards all the time. Ah. Have you seen that one? And every time he shaves, it comes back. And they literally have the same joke scene. Oh, right. It was okay. that good. They just used it exactly. <laughs> if again. it works, it works. If you've not seen the Santa Claus listeners, you're missing out. It's brilliant. Right, question... Number five. Out of how many, please? There's ten questions. Question five. In A Muppet Christmas Carol, who plays Dickens? I know that. Gonzo. Yeah, you got one. Yeah, you, you already knew I know that one. <laughs> well, I thought I'd throw that in. Well, the thing is, is we talked about it earlier when we were a couple of weeks ago, I think, and I thought maybe Laurie had forgotten. No, a very memorable performance. Just yeah. things that are forgotten can be forgotten. Anyway, question six. Yes. In Elf, Buddy makes dinner for his dad. What does he make? Oh, that is uh, spaghetti, and it's coated in, what, jelly beans and just candy, right? And with streakle syrup. Streakle syrup? What's streakle syrup? Streakle. Streakle. Uh, maple syrup, maybe. Yeah, there ding, ding, go. ding. You get a point. I well done. That one. Yeah. Says, oh, it's got all the major food groups, whatever it was. Well, that's, this is the next question. Here we go. What are the four main food groups elves try to stick to, according to Buddy? Now, this is going to be very difficult for me. because I'll I... give you a, a, a clue. They all share something in common. Same letter? or Sort of, sort of. I think, yeah. <sighs> is it something like sherbet, licorice, sour and sweet or something like I'll that? I'll give you the first one. The first one is candy. Okay. Jelly? <laughs> Jelly? <laughs> Maybe jello in America, of course. Chocolates? Ooh, good try. Cocoa? No, 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 no. <laughs> Cocoa nibs? Cacao nibs? <laughs> Here you go. Uh, I'll get you to tell you. Well, yeah, right. You're going to be annoyed about this. I can well, tell you already. Know, yeah. I'm yeah. killing your Christmas spirit, aren't I? It's candy, candy canes, candy corn and syrup. Oh, fair enough. I wouldn't have remembered that. Candy corn, have you had that? What an odd sweet. It's very weird, very weird. Kind of chewy and soft. They look like sort of uh, decayed vampire's teeth. They look a bit like corn. Well, yeah, or decayed <laughs> vampire's teeth. <laughs> I prefer my version. And they've got a very, uh, yeah, just, they taste of sweetness. They taste of artificial sweetness. It's yeah, very it's, it's like a unique flavor almost. A I bit think like Twinkies. Why, mm. uh, other foods that have not made it across from the US. Probably you can get them, but you have flight. to pay a lot of money, basically. Mm, interesting. Right, here we go. This is question... I can't even remember now. I'll just carry on. In Die Hard, how does John McClane get the attention of Sergeant Al Powell? Oh, that's easy, man. Welcome to the party, pal. Um, that's what he says. He throws a, a body out of the window to land on his bonnet. Yes, correct. Well mm. done. And then he says, welcome to the party, pal, when his uh, <laughs> car backs off over the ditch. Also, can we play the little clip of uh, him talking to the lady on the... Uh uh, on the phone when Yes, I'll to need to it. apply some bleeping slash editing, but certainly. Attention, whoever you are, this channel is reserved for emergency calls only. Do I sound like I'm ordering a pizza? That was good, man, and I really enjoyed uh, going through Die Hard and remembering it on what we've been watching last week. That Great was fun. Christmas it was a good film. film, good film, good film. Right, here we go. Nearly at the end, Laurie. I think you might be able to get this one. It's a multiple choice. Okay. You've got one in four chance. Ready? Ooh, very good. Who directed the 2000 film How the Grinch Stole Christmas? Sorry, the 2000 and film. <laughs> Did you want to repeat that? Yeah, I'll do that again. Thank you. Who directed the 2000 and <laughs> no, it's not two. It's just two thousand. Oh, two thousand movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Seriously, keep. What is it called? Who directed the two thousand film How the Grinch Stole Christmas? Is it A. Ron Howard, B. Christopher Columbus, C. Penny Marshall, director of Big, mm -hmm. 
or D, Robert Zemeckis. Now, this is Jim Carrey, isn't it? Yeah, Jim Carrey. He's got the yak hair on. Big green. Whovilles. I believe this is Ron Howard, Phil. Is he right, listeners? Yes. He is. Well done. I really thought you weren't going to get no, that. No, cause... I know that one. And Because I, I, The Grinch, that's a film I've seen, I have seen a few times. And a lot of my friends really rate it highly as a Christmas movie. I can't really get on board with it. I think it's something you had to watch when you were younger. I didn't like it the first time I saw it. And then uh, a mutual friend of ours explained how fantastically funny it is. They convinced you. Yeah, there's, it's got one of my favourite little quotes in it. Hit us with it. Why is that one of your favourites? I just think it's funny. Well, there we are. It's just funny. I think, I remember thinking Ron Howard at the time because I was curious to know who had directed it. Ron Howard, he's done a lot of different things. And I have to admit, I'm starting to slightly doubt his qualities as a director. I'm going to be honest I with disagree. You. I think I think the opposite. I think he's done a really varied set of films and he's managed to have success in a lot of different genres. But even if they're not the perfect his, movie. Is it down to his direction or is it down to sort of the star wattage that a Ron Howard name can attach? Because I think when you think about the movies that he's directed, they're all already like blockbusters, aren't they? Mm, Apollo Except 13 Into the Heart of the Sea or whatever it was which tanked Apollo 13 I think it's an amazing movie though yeah but then is it it's Apollo got 11? like which Tom one is Hanks it? and it's got Gary Sinise and yeah but it's, it's got... a great movie it is yeah okay well let's not do this here <laughs> <laughs> maybe we can do a Ron Howard thing uh, breakdown in a let's do that career breakdown that's a good idea. Be starting with Happy Days yeah these days are rough these days are rough happy days Hey! Right, that's enough. Right, that. last question, last question, and then we'll wrap this quiz up. It's a nice, cheery question. Which Christmas movie was investigated for communist pom- propaganda by the FBI? Ooh, can you give me a decade or not? I feel like if I do, it'll give it away. I mean, think about it, it's communist. Well, you know, that could be the 60s, it could be. I mean, it's all post World War Two. I mean, we have already talked about this movie. Um, it's a Christmas movie. It think about be, it. Uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful life, actually, could it? It is, Laurie, correct. I hey, can believe how it. how about that? I, yeah, but you know what? I, it doesn't surprise me that much now I think about it. Why, why, why? Well, because there's the bank in there, isn't there? And, and uh, George Bailey, part of what he does is share the stuff around, isn't it? He does everything he can to stop the bank uh, That is true, yeah. I didn't think about that. And it's sort of, he cares a lot more about keeping the community together and afloat than he does about being personally wealthy. Maybe could that be it? That is true. And actually, to be fair, the big bad villain is the capitalist banker man. Yeah, there you like, go. I want all your money. Well, that, I'd, be, I'd be watching that again with interest, but can mm. you believe it? Apparently, It's a Wonderful Life just generally didn't fare well with critics or audiences at the beginning. It, it was a slow grower. It was a bit like Shawshank Redemption. It, it got word of mouth. And I think, actually, it's one of the few films which was actually made by the Christmas showings because it became just the staple of Christmas screenings through through the years on television. And listeners, I think a lot of people have heard of It's a Wonderful Life and kind of know what the story's about, can quote some of the lines even, but if you haven't seen it, and actually I saw it a lot later on than I expected to, then you've got to watch it. It's, it's really, really, really brilliant and great for the Christmas period. And if you don't like it the first time, I think it's one of the few movies which is really beneficial knowing where it's going. Completely. Do you want to do your impression? We did a lot of this on BBC Radio Oxford, but give us some. Do you want to move, Mary? <laughs> I'll throw a lasso around him. Pull he's it down so much you. fun to copy. And he's such a great character, George Bailey. Oh, he's great. And Jimmy Stewart is great in it. He is uh, one of his best performances ever. There you go. That's the Christmas quiz. Laurie, you did... What did I get? Like four out of ten? Yeah, it could have more Christmas cheer. That's what would be my Could little... have more... I mean, come on. What you mean is could have more Christmas trivia, I think, Phil. That is I've got cheer. so much cheer, I'm not nitpicking and clinging <laughs> on to those little insignificant details. The funny thing is, Laurie, is I don't think this is nitpicking. I think this has been quite an 
quite a straightforward quiz for those who are Bedford actually Falls, fans of the movies. Gymnasium. Do you think people would have got that from your yeah, description? Yeah, man. Yeah, I really think. Well, listen, uh, why don't you write in and depress me even further by telling <laughs> me you got ten out of ten? I bet there are quite a few listeners who did. Yeah, I'm sure they did. Well, hey, listen, I hope that was a fun quiz. I enjoyed it, despite <laughs> despite not really knowing anything, apparently. Uh, and you thank got better you, towards the end. You got the better towards the end. Thank you. And thank you for putting, doing the work and putting the quiz together. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. It's so fun being in the quiz seat. Is, do you prefer it this way around? I prefer not looking like, like a... Oh, no. But you don't look like a complete idiot. You always do really well. <laughs> I don't think I do. Oh, there we go. Right, well, listeners, this is our sort of breakdown of 2016, and we're trying to do, well, I was going to say top fives, but there may well be more than five in some categories. We haven't really worked it out yet. I haven't got a list or well, anything. Well, it's because there's so much joy and positivity and happiness to share. And not at all any <laughs> no unpreparedness. No or misery. No, exactly. Uh, so what, what, well, this is from an email from David Samuel a long time ago, where he gave us these top fives. Top five greatest film moments of 2016. Top five best moments of the podcast. Top five worst ideas of the podcast or best segments. Top five emails of the year. Top five lists of the top five lists this year <laughs> so we're not going to do all of those but we are certainly going to do the greatest or our favorite film moments from 2016 do you want to just explain a bit more about that film so this isn't uh films this isn't uh to do with cinema history or anything like that it's not leo winning the oscar or anything like that this it's is not partic- leo winning the oscar no it's not okay. it's particularly scenes in movies that we just thought were great and we really enjoyed tiny and we little loved moments it. that really stood out to us yeah and like the things when you feel like cinema is firing on all cylinders and it just nails it that's so, right. Little moments in, in films. And hopefully this is a great way for you to think, if there's anything we mentioned you haven't seen yet, then this is a great recommendation. Just check out the film, isn't it? Yeah. And also send us in your own personal favourite little moments. In Movie cinema. moments. Yeah, right. Movie okay, moments. well, let, let's go for it, Phil. But I should say, we have already spoken about, about this email and I did already say in response to this email off the cuff, one of my favourite moments was watching Ryan Gosling punch his, uh, his fist through a window in The Nice Guys and then immediately hurting himself and having to go to hospital. Yes. That was a great moment. Great made me moment. laugh very much. But actually, one of my other favourite moments is again from The Nice Guys. Should so we I start think, with this one? Yeah, let's start with that one because that makes sense, doesn't it? We'll, we'll start yeah, with The yeah, Nice sure. Guys. Uh, my other favourite moment was when Russell Crowe's character goes to confront Ryan Gosling and he happens to be on the toilet but he's ready room, for him he's, yeah. in a, he's in the men's room a public restroom and uh, with his pants around his ankles he pulls out a gun and says don't move Marge Jack Ely don't get upset I'm not here to hurt you I just want to ask you a question hey no. how stupid do you think I am ever since your little visit the other day this little baby's gonna stay right here Look away. You know there's a mirror here, right? Close your eyes. That is some of the funniest physical comedy. And unfortunately, it can't be done on radio. It can't be impersonated. Impersonated? Impersonated (laughs) on radio. So apologies for that. But if you haven't seen The Nice Guys, really do check it out. I think it's a really good film. Yeah, and that is a great moment from it. I think for a lot of people, it was an eye-opener to see that Ryan Gosling isn't just a strong, silent, mysterious guy from uh, Drive or from The Place Beyond the Pines. Actually, he's an amazing comic talent. And therefore, no surprise, uh, his casting in La La Land upcoming. Mm, yes, he's a, he's a diverse actor and the ladies love him, the men respect him. <laughs> Want to be him, that's the one, Phil. Okay, yeah, yeah. here's another one. Kubo and the Two Strings. I really, really, really love the opening of this movie. Mm. Uh, well, n- near to the opening, it's when he suddenly starts doing his little performance with his guitar, making these little origami little characters oh, dance. Oh, it was beautiful, wasn't it? And watch closely or else something might happen or something. I can't remember the lines, but I thought it just immediately I was captured and I loved it. It's a shame about the ending, but that movie... 
really, really grabbed me it's and I was on board. Very rare moment of sort of jaw dropping. Whoa, that looks amazing because we're so used to what CGI can accomplish. And just generally animation, it, what can what more can it do to impress you? Kuba and the Two Strings found a way. It was breathtaking. And there's something magical about seeing something real, even if it's animated and the movement is false. Stop motion thing. The mm. actual fact that it's a real object doing something is great. I hope you listeners managed to go and watch that. It's 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 really good. It was a letdown by the end, but certainly the premise in the Star Wars. But the time you're actually watching it, it's a very enjoyable film. Nice one, Phil. I'm turning it to you, man. I'm getting all sad. No, no, come on, come end. on, keep it up, keep it up. It is the end of the year, Phil. It's, it's hard to stay positive all the way through. Here's a good one. Yeah. Hail Caesar from yeah. the Coen Brothers. We saw slightly unusual film. We couldn't quite figure out what it was trying to say, but it did have a moment in it that was one of my favourites. In fact, two moments that I think were so good they make it worth watching the film. Uh, the first one is this little exchange between Rafe Fiennes and Alden Ehrenreich. Say your line exactly as I'm about to, just as I'm about to do. Sure, okay. Would the detour so simple? 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 My dear boy, why do you say that? Why do you say twer? Well, you should say it like I said. Yes. Would the detour so simple? 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 Watch my mouth. Would the detour so simple? Would the detour so simple? Keep your head still. Would the detour so simple? Would the detour so simple? Would the detour so simple? I'm trying to say that, Mr. Lawrence. Would the detour so simple? <laughs> I love that. It's such a great, that's a really good example of how to call back to an old, wonderful film because it's obviously reminding everyone of Singing in the Rain. I can't stand them, but it's done brilliantly and reimagined in an excellent way. I thought that was a, a fantastic moment. And then the second one that was great was Alden Ehrenreich again with his Spaghetti the Sioux. <laughs> yeah, that was great. That was really, really good. And I kind of think you have to be a very a great sort of filmmaker and scriptwriter to envisage that scene uh, in the way that it's portrayed because it was so fun and so full of character and so bizarre all at the same time. I totally believed it. It was a great little moment. I really like the the idea of like two Hollywood stars being put together on a little date and actually having quite a nice time. A quite ordinary but time. But I'm still quite sad that that date ended a bit too soon. Oh, yeah, mm. absolutely. So yeah, that, if you haven't seen that film, an odd bag of things, but some really nice little moments. But funnily enough, actually, um, an emailer did manage to kind of put a whole new spin on that film for me. And I do think maybe it was better than I realised when I first reviewed it. And that's the power of emails. Well, how about that? <laughs> <And> one, <laughs> I don't know. One thing I didn't, want, I didn't, want, I didn't know where to take it. <laughs> okay, what's well, one from you, Phil? This one, I don't think you're going to agree with me at all, Laurie, but okay. I don't care because I'm my own person and I do what I want. It was in Civil War, the new Captain America film. Uh, this was seeing Paul Rudd as Ant-Man, the little tiny guy who can do a mi- micro suddenly in that big fight in the airport sequence, which is as a whole a great little sequence but seeing him go massive was fantastic it was a good little moment I had a huge moment. little grin on my face and a as I said a huge little grin a huge little <laughs> grin is like Mrr. as I said in fact on the review on the podcast I think that that whole sequence is one of the best realised versions of a comic book fight scene right. and the scale and the adventure and the just the excitement and energy in that sequence I think it's fantastic I do think when you think back to that movie that is the scene people remember basically and also you've got spider-man in there being great thanks phil i've got another nice little mini one here as well from a film that i think some people have seen but not a lot of people have seen florence foster jenkins with meryl streep yeah you've talked a lot about this film which i'm always surprised by i really enjoyed it and i just i'm i'm surprised that not that many people have seen it it's had quite a long run at the cinemas it keeps coming back for sort of one-offs it wouldn't surprise me if that's because they feel they've captured an older demographic 
uh, in the audience who might want to see it. So they need to let it, yeah, give them give time it to so A bit like Ab Fab as well. I think mm. that had a similar thing. It was very successful. But the moment in Florence Foster Jenkins, I was laughing my head off and I thought it was a brilliant uh, bit of comic performance, a bit of timing, a bit of editing as well. It's the moment where uh, the big Bang Theory guy, I can't remember his name, who's playing a, an accompanist pianist. Harold Wolowitz. Thank you. Um, <laughs> that's yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, he accompanies Florence Foster Jenkins for the first time and he hears her sing for the first time. His performance and facial expressions when he hears her sing are just magnificent. And I can't really play the clip here because you can't see his face. So... If you've not seen that film, or you just find that clip even. Uh, it's just brilliant. That's one which you, you refuse to spoil as well. You wouldn't even play the clip for me. No, because I, <laughs> I just think that's the whole point of the film is to hear her singing <laughs> and, to, and to watch them do it at the same time. It's, it's great performance from Meryl Streep. Very hard thing to achieve. Even Hugh Grant is quite good in the film because he plays a subtly different Hugh Granty role. It's good. You're acting a bit like uh, our dad, you know, when he, he rips out pages of the newspaper and says, oh, read this article. And then you go, <laughs> oh, what's it about? And he's like, well, just read it. Well, you know what? He's onto something good, Phil. <laughs> well, I'm going to jump in with an, another quick one, Phil. And this is a proud moment for me because Independence Day Resurgence. It's Resurgence. I'm sure it's Resurgence. It's an S. It's not, <laughs> a, it's not a double S. You said this last week on the, uh, on the podcast. You're talking about, res- like, I can't even say it the way you said it. It was like research rather than research. Research. <laughs> research it's research you're that's that's American Phil you're becoming research. an American <laughs> like, research it's right. research it just bothers me Res- resurgence anyway resurgence. Independence Day resurgence <laughs> there was a little so moment wrong. in that where we uh, commented on Liam Hemsworth's amazing grunting to uh, communicate to the audience the stress that the ship he's flying is under oh, as, yeah. as if you know moving a joystick uh, <laughs> requires a lot of energy <laughs> And the reason this stands out to me is I, I thought it was funny. And I thought it was a funny observation. But it's the first time that you and I have beaten an honest trader, Phil, to a realisation. Have you seen the honest trader for Independence Day research? Do they talk about that as well? They do a compilation of it. They do a brilliant, they've got access to clips we don't have access to. And at the end, they play one after the other of his flying grunting and then do like a mosaic collage of all of them at once. It's very good. Are we going to have to play the audio? Uh, it's fair use. <laughs> I slip it in here, and if we get in trouble, that's your fault. Okay, fine. Baby Thor's flying roars. There we go. Uh, all right, now now it really is your turn. I've got a bit of a silly one up next. This is uh, The Legend of Tarzan, David Yates' film starring what's-his-name? Oh, uh, Skarsgård, Alexander Skarsgård. Yeah, my, it's not, I'm not sure if it's a good moment or a bad moment or what. It's just a moment that I remember very distinctly. It's when he busts out of, uh, out of uh, a chokehold with a chain. A using his chokehold? Oh, is it a chain? <laughs> it's a chain. He busts the, the chain out of his neck. Using his neck muscles, he but, just you know, flexes and anyone psh- who works out don't skip neck day because <laughs> yeah. you never know. You never know when you need to break situation. out of a chain. <laughs> that scene was ridiculous, wasn't it? That was an odd film on the whole. I think I quite enjoyed it, and I sort of would recommend it to people as a bizarre but quite entertaining experience. I feel like if it was, I, I almost want to go into the studio and correct, color correct the film. It was very grey, wasn't if it? If I, I mean, could that's David Yates pull out the color and make it more vibrant, that'd be amazing. Uh, incidentally this is a little aside this is nothing to do with this year's movies but have you seen there's a YouTube video out there where somebody basically colour corrects Man of Steel uh, I have actually it's interesting isn't it it's fascinating and actually it just it just makes you realise what is what is going on where they basically make what's the opposite of saturating desaturating <laughs> They're desaturating the film and it's and it's bizarre why would you do that why would you take colour out of life uh, another one for me would be perhaps 
Star Trek Beyond, and this is, is I'm not sure if this counts as a moment because part of the reason why I liked it so much was the extendedness of it. I think that still counts for moment is a wonderfully vague word. <laughs> uh, it's the the moment then when the Starship Enterprise is attacked in the first half of the film, and the sequence goes way longer than you think would actually happen in a normal blockbuster, and actually surprisingly. Uh, more is better this time. Yeah, it felt like an incredibly well storyboarded and directed sequence. And on the whole, we loved that film, didn't we? Yeah. It, it, funny enough, it made me think of a Frasier clip. One of our favourites, I mm. Whatever happened to the concept of less is more? Ah, but less is more than just think how much more and more will be. <laughs> you can't fold his logic. Is that what you're saying this sequence is? Yeah, like it's just more of good. So that's good. <laughs> I mean, right on the heels of that, I'd, can I add in Inferno here? Because, you know, that I really enjoyed going to see that film because that is one of those situations where I found like it was so bad that it was really quite enjoyable. I had a great time watching that movie. It I was, think I was the only person who kind of enjoyed it. It was quite fun, but it was a really bad film. And I mean, the moment for me is just, you know, observing Robert Langdon, master of disguise, <laughs> master of theft master of everything like he's uh it's just wonderful it's such a sort of middle-aged fantasy in the nicest possible way yeah, there yeah. are lots of good langdon moments in that where is he where's langdon i was thinking we should have done uh, a little christmas meme thing and done a where's langdon book where's wally style <laughs> where's <laughs> langdon ha- but just have him really obviously <laughs> just right standing just a page a picture of tom Hanks <laughs> exactly, standing yeah a, on a book or you know uh don't come in here, Robert Landon's not in behind this door sign. <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that, in a way, that was quite a positive moment. Watching a really bad movie still be enjoyable. Well, I, I think I'm getting close to my ending, and I think probably one of my favourite films of the year was Arrival. No surprises there. Mm. And I have to say, that film, the moment for me of watching a film completely bamboozle me and surprise me, and using my knowledge of film to trick me, I thought was fantastic. Good work. So is there a moment in there, Phil? Just, yeah, know? there is a moment in there, but I can't really say it without spoiling the film. Oh, okay, so, fair enough. So, so it was yeah. it was the, the revelation, shall we say, I thought was fantastic. It was a great moment for me in film. Okay, okay. Can I add in, in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, Eddie Redmayne's uh, little mating dance? Oh, yeah, that was very funny, very funny. In some ways, it's quite a lukewarm moment. It's not a, an absolute standout, but it, it did really put the seal on for me to say that this isn't a sort of franchise spinner expander it didn't feel like a massive corporate product because it had that scene in it which was just fun and required eddie redmayne to do something really bizarre and he really went for it and nailed it it was, it was that that joy in in all those sequences to do with the animals really lifted that film way up for me beyond what could have been quite average. Yeah, I agree there. And actually, weirdly, one of my favourite moments in that film is uh, a really small moment. And that's when uh, I can't remember the name of uh, the lady, but she asks uh, Jacob Kowalski if he wants strudel or apple pie or something. Oh, yeah. And then you see her flicker wand and you watch as this, this oh, thing comes right. together, lands on the, the on the floor, on the floor, on the table <laughs> and starts cooking itself. And then it's just ready. That's and true. that's almost that that harkens back almost to that back to the future two moment where he puts a little thing and in the, the little hydrator pizza and then suddenly a massive pizza comes out. Yeah. That's that's the sort of kind of kiddish imagination of oh, well, imagine if that, that's possible. That's the major strength of J.K. Rowling, isn't it? As a, as a scriptwriter, storyteller. I'm really hoping the next ones are going to be even better. Can I say that Allied, for me, a very underwhelming film, but I was really glad to have another fake laugh to add <laughs> to our uh, amazing collection of film fake laughs. Can we hear that again from Marion yes, Cotillard? Yes, yes, please, please, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> it's great. It's it so just makes funny. you feel better when I hear it. It's great. And I'll also throw in uh, that scene in Moana where Jermaine Clement stars as Tata Moa or something. Uh, he's an evil crab. Because that it's just that sequence, actually. I was saying to someone just the other day, the whole way that it's storyboarded, uh, the tone of the music, just the colour as well. There's a bit where the lights go down and this crab is revealed to have sort of UV markings all over him. There was a sort of fairy tale malevolence and structure to that scene I felt has been absent from a lot of Disney. Did it feel like classic Disney sort of villain yeah, song? Yeah, it really did. It reminds me of some of the stuff that Scar does. You know, he sings while he's being kind of camply evil, uh, like Ursula, I said, I think already in The Little Mermaid. Just great sequences like that. And I thought it was really, really strong. I've said a few times, I think Moana is a superior film to Frozen, but I don't think anyone will agree with me on that. Frozen is really loved, isn't it? That's the thing. It's loved. I I don't think it's better than this, though. No. There you go. There you go. There you go. Is that it? Do you want to add anything else? How about No Blinking from uh, Rosamund Pike and United <laughs> I'm Kingdom? not sure if that's a moment because it's lasts the whole film. There we go. Well, listeners, I hope that was interesting to hear us go through. There's uh, just moments that have stood out to us that we remember. And listeners, tell us what your favourite moments were as well. Send your thoughts in superbellybros at gmail.com or at superbellybros on Twitter. We'd love to hear what really stood out to you in 2016. Fantastic moments in films, even if they're bad films. Correct. Okay, well, listeners, as we've already sort of teased at the beginning here, almost all the emails that we've received is to do with Rogue One. Thank you so much for sending those in. But as we also explained, they're full of spoilers because that's really the only way to properly discuss the film. So we're not going to put those here. We put them in their own special mini episode. So don't look for those here. Download the other one. Yeah, check it out. And that's all spoilers. So just be warned. Yes, very much the Spoil Eagle is in effect. Okay, well, and just before we dig into the emails, Phil, rather than get you to sing a song, I'm going to play an unrelated jingle because in the process of recording this episode, we've done it over two days. And in between those two days, someone else has become a Patreon sponsor too. And they've also bought the uh, jingle sponsorship package, (laughs) if I can call it that. (laughs) That's a silly thing to say. Uh, So why don't we play that? And well, here you go. Bonehead Face Cheese, is that your real name, man? Thanks for supporting us on Patreon, uh, Anne. Well, how about that? I hope you're happy, Bernard. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Thanks very much. Hooray. Thank you so much for supporting us, Bernard. And uh, listeners, if you want your own slightly awkward jingle <laughs> to be played, who knows when, uh, in the Baby Bro shows, it's not just a one-off. We'll put those in shows as they go. Then check out uh, patreon.com forward slash Bros. And hey, even visiting that would be our Christmas present. <laughs> So here are the, a couple of emails, then we'll move on. First one, actually, it's a tweet from Alison at Super Belly Bros. The Lion King has been preserved by the US Library of Congress. And she's linked to the BBC story covering that. And Phil, I'm mentioning this one because, you know, we are nervous about the live action Lion King directed by John Favreau out soon. And you especially don't like the way that old classics are essentially being replaced or sort of diminished in importance thanks to these remakes. I Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of thrilled that this film is getting a little bit of protection almost in the sense that hopefully the live action film will not be that good and will never make it to this level and that means that there will only be one Lion King in that collection. Well, there you go. And which I was is saying, a good thing. The fact that it's being preserved by Congress means there are some people who will not let it descend into the shadows. You must never go there. <laughs> okay. Good, good, good. All right, and another tweet from Angeline. Just a little one here. Just realised today's my one, my one year anniversary being a fan of Super Baby Bros podcast. Hey, congratulations. Hashtag one year of bro. Hashtag one year of pixel. Look at that, Phil. We're not just uh, delivering a podcast. We're giving people their own anniversaries. That's fantastic. That's, I'm, I'm glad we're bringing joy at this Christmas season. Thanks for tweeting that, Angeline. And thanks so much for listening to, for a whole year. I hope we haven't damaged your 
ears or brain <laughs> with any of our silly thoughts. But no, thank you very much for listening. That's great. One here, which is actually for what we've been watching, Phil, and I realise we totally forgot to include it. Whoops. Uh, yeah, I know. So I'm going to do this. is from Liv. Thanks for getting in touch, Liv. Hey, bros. Couldn't get it in a tweet, so I thought I'd plus one Phil for choosing the correct favourite film ever as I could not agree more. Do you remember which film that is, Phil? Just checking. Of course, When Harry Met Sally. <laughs> yes, I'm sure When Harry Met Sally gets watched by me at least six times a year. An absolute go-to, ironically, if ever I can't sleep, as depicted in the Casablanca scene that Laurie mentioned. I rave about it to all my friends and have forced all my housemates to watch it. Uh, to mixed reviews, actually, so I made them watch it again. <laughs> so many clever and intricate moments that makes it a film you can go back to and appreciate even after years of watching with new details every time. And a plus a big up to whoever did the colouring and chose the locations. It totally immerses me in a story and era every time I watch it. That's kind of what you said. Like, it just makes New York like this beautiful red and gold wonderland. It's fantastic. And that email is fantastic because that pretty much sums up everything I feel as well. There we go. She says it's hands down her Desert Island film. Hashtag pecan pie. Pecan pie. Pecan pie. Was that an improv moment? I think it was. It was. And you can even see Meg Ryan look uh, look, look to the side to the director and he's going, come on, keep going, keep up. Let's go, <laughs> go, keep going. That is comedy gold. And, and immediately her head steps back and she goes kind of from ha-ha, jokey, jokey to a serious face. And it's the thing, that, how weird that that works and actually makes it look like a believable bit of... Uh, and it, what's yeah. weird is she's sort of laughing, dismissing it and then she kind of like, in the context of the film, it looks like he's she's sort of confused by him. But in reality, it's more like, oh, I've got to look serious because this is actually going in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. Well, listeners, thank you, Liv. She says, take care. You too, Liv. Take care over the holidays. Even when they're doing something a bit wrong, it still works brilliantly. True story. And if we and Liv have not convinced you to watch it yet, that's bad grammar, but I'm carrying on, then check out When Harry Met Sally. Great for the holidays as well. I think we say that on the Oxford show, don't we? Yeah, we said lots of things on the Oxford show. One quick one from Confucius. Hope you enjoyed your jingle there, Confucius. Uh, he says, Dear Super Bailey Bros, he's got a few thoughts in there about Rogue One, which we'll cover later. But he also adds, Bros, given that Miyazaki is one of your favourite filmmakers, you have got to learn how to properly pronounce his name. Oh, gosh. This is you kind of saying he out. Well, have a go, Phil. Do it now. I think no, I'm not going to because no, I, don't wanna, I don't. It's obviously causing Confucius a lot of pain, so I don't want to keep it going. Confucius, I think it's well documented over the course of a year that when it comes to pronunciation, I am not the king. Neither am I, Phil. Exactly. No, Come on, <laughs> you're my you're my safety net, and you, even you get it wrong. Well, so. is it spelled H A Y A O? And and he, he spells that out for us. He says, hiya oh, Repeat it with me again. hiya oh, hi <laughs> Very patronising, but I'm okay hi-ya-o. with that. He says, we got his surname, fine. So I'm going to go for it. hi Hayao. hi But in Japan, O is like, oh, so hi Hayao. hi There we go. How was that, Confucius? Let us know. He ends, as usual, lots of love for your most faithful fan. Wise man from the East, Confucius. P.S. Where is the what we've been watching jingle, by the way? Missing it lots. I miss it a lot as well. Do you? Laurie says it doesn't match the serious tone of what we've watched. No, that is not even remotely true. <laughs> he has been spouting out rubbish and all this sort of stuff. I think he he's he's been sad about that jingle ever since I put words to it. Basically, that's he not can't, true either. He can't share the limelight. No, no, no. What the thing is, uh, <laughs> what I've been watching now that it's separate doesn't have any jingles with it. And I've always quite like. I like that we get started really, really quickly on it. I love that we don't have to do all the preamble. We're just bam straight in. What we've been watching, and I feel like. The Super Bailey Bros has its 8-bitty tune, but what we've been watching doesn't have any of that. So if someone, random person, finds out about what we've been watching and logs in, and all of a sudden they hear, What have we been watching this week? They're going to be like, what is this? I'm sorry, what's this? 
Yeah. But hey, maybe I'm wrong. Should we put it in in the next episode? Why don't you put the jingle right here now so we can have a little R.I.P. I just sang it, Phil. You no, 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 no. Just, just, just the music, just the music. Just put the music in now. Right, okay. And we'll have a little R.I.P. Just imagine the words floating up. It doesn't have to be the end, but that's my thinking behind it anyway. Here's the jingle. And actually, that's the last of the emails that we've had that are non-Rogue One related. Uh, Confucius did tweet us in as well, just confirming the Rock's Polynesian lineage. Oh, <laughs> so fantastic. Thank you. Thank, thank, thank you. thank you for doing that work. Other than that, listeners, look forward to Rogue One Thoughts. And here is the jingle to play us out. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We, we hope wish you, you had. Oh, I you, <laughs> you set me up as if you did. Well, like, I, really I, know, sing, I was going to go, we hope you had a Merry Christmas. Because, of course, this is coming out the day after. It's Boxing Day. Yeah, true. We hope you had a Merry Christmas. We hope you had a Merry Christmas. We, we hope, hope you had, had a Merry Christmas. Christmas and we'll and have a, a Happy New Year. <laughs> Oh, well, there we go. Listeners, we're not going to be around next week. I'm sure you're not that sad about that, but I hope you enjoyed our Christmas special. We will see you in 2017. Yeah, that's right. We'll do, you think, do you think this is a little aside? This is almost like a bonus thing, but do you think 2017 is going to be a bad year because it's slightly uh, an awkward number? You know how when you're on the TV <laughs> and you're changing the volume and you go, you you get you turn up to 27, you think, oh, I can't leave it on 27. That's I'll go true. to 28. Why 28? Because it's odd. I mean, it's even. even. Yeah, even. Or, and the only odd number which you can kind of accept is 25. Interesting. And I wonder if that's going to be the same with the years. Is 2017 going to be a bit awkward because it's an odd number? Well, I think that's a psychological little sinkhole you've tapped into. Just there, a little Phil. thought. Because I thought. slightly feel the other way at the moment. What odds are good? <laughs> well, if my clock is ending up on 15, I just think that's not a real time, is it? That's kind of an ideal time that is just not doesn't happen in real life. No one ever hits the dot on you know 25 past. I mean, you try and fill up your petrol tank, you never hit the round number, do you? So I feel like I'm being a bit more of a realist when what, I set so my this clock is the to, authentic. Yeah, 17 minutes past. I'm like, yeah, that's a real time. That's on planet Earth. Do you know what I'm saying? I it's have just no idea what you're nonsense. talking about. Well, there we we go. should have done this art of the jingle so we could get to the bonus, <laughs> couldn't we? Well, now we're going to have to sing of something else. There you go. <laughs> Sorry. Listeners, uh, send us your thoughts, superbellybros at gmail.com and at superbellybros on Twitter. We love to hear from you. And especially tell us if you watch anything awesome over Christmas that uh, blows you away or anything you're disappointed by keep your thoughts on rogue one coming in i think that conversation is going to keep going yeah and actually genuinely i'd really love that to have more emails and more thoughts about rogue one because i think it's one of those films which is going to be quite divisive yeah and it and it's as we said in the review it is going to make a big impact on uh disney's output going forward and actually lots of films as well this is a big tentpole production for a lot of people testing out different approaches to filmmaking so let's see and thank you very much to all of you who have already emailed in your thoughts on Rogue One that's pretty much it Laurie isn't it I think so I hope you've enjoyed this year of the Super Belly Bros podcast this is the last episode out in 2016 mm, that's that strange isn't it yeah we've been going for a long time man big thank year you. for us big year for us it has been thank you especially to BBC Radio Oxford for all the fun and support you've given us this year that's been great uh, thank you to the Oxford paper who've taken me on as their critic thanks to everybody Merry Christmas. Indeed. Hope you have a wonderful new year. Pop on When Harry Met Sally if you're feeling sad because that'll cheer you right up. Can we uh, use my favourite Merry Christmas ever to sign us off? Yeah, what's that? It's Chandler in Friends. Okay. Can we use a clip from him? Should we do that as the last thing we say? Yeah. Listeners, have a wonderful break. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Merry Christmas! (laughs) Well, Phil, I've got a list of bonuses and, you know, like a present, I'm going to give you the chance to choose one not like a present at all you yes, don't get to is. choose at all you I'm get to unwrap you. something and then you <laughs> discover what it is no but my gift is the ability to choose <laughs> oh thank you thank there we you are alright so here you go here are the headlines uh, Vix Vader Rub uh, Star Wars new merchandising opportunities <laughs>
<laughs> then fizzy water on laptop keyboard. Um, I don't feel good phrase stress. This is what I've actually written down. I don't feel good phrase stress. I know you have to choose one. Uh, hot beverage for me, hot beverage for you. <laughs> uh, fake receiving gifts well. How to say Toblerone and double apostrophes. Any of those sound good to you? <laughs> That's a good list. I told you, I've got um, a list. How to, how to take gifts well, how to fake that reaction is quite a good one. But I'm also quite keen about the hot beverage for me, hot beverage for Well, that you. one's very simple. So why don't we do a double? Should double we start up, with the gifts thing? Well, basically, Phil, it's something that happens. Sometimes you get a Christmas present at Christmas time that is a surprise. And someone has clearly gone to the shop and thought, oh, that is just Phil all over. I've got to get that for him. He will love it. <laughs> right. And you unwrap the present and you're thinking, what is this? What is this? Why do they think I'd like this? <laughs> And yet you still got to perform for the camera. Yeah. You know, look right into the camera, a.k.a. their, their face. eyes. <laughs> yeah. And convince them you're delighted with what they bought you. So I'm going to give you a countdown and you've got to react well. No, but before we say this, I genu- like this is genuinely like a weak area of my life. Well, I'm, I'm notoriously bad for receiving gifts. Think of gifts this as a therapy session, Phil. No, but I'm genuinely like, I'm, I, I, I shouldn't really say this because I think my mum does listen. Well, I know she does. But I think I've genuinely quite upset her sometimes because of my poor reactions to gifts that she's bought me. But it's not because you don't want it. No, exactly. Inside, it's- I'm so overjoyed, but I just can't express it. Well, that's a, that's a different topic. That's an inability to express your delight. <laughs> if I can't express delight when I actually feel it, how on earth am I going to express delight when I'm faking it? Well, okay, let's give you a go nonetheless. So three, two, one, wrap, 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 unwrap. Oh, it's amazing. I can't believe you got... Oh, that's great. I love that. That's amazing. What do you think, listeners? I think that's pretty good. <laughs> you can test me if you like. Three, two, one, go. Oh, oh, I know. Yeah, no, I know what this is. Yeah, no, totally. I I can totally see. Um, Yeah, this is great. Thank you so much. I, I, I hadn't thought about it, but now, now I've got it. Yeah, that's going to be that's going to be brilliant. I often think the main thing which you need to do to really sell the performance is what you do with the gift after you've opened it. I mean, I was it. holding up my hand for you. I was pointing at it as well. <laughs> no, no, but like often if you just put it to the side a bit too eagerly, that's the bad thing. That's the thing which really... But you just need to sell that. Like I'm putting this away because I can't oh, wait to play with it later. I'll put it in my pile, my great stuff. Oh, I'll put it such in a good my stack of presents. presents pile. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right at the top. Or the other, other hot tip is read the back or something read if there's something to read Getting read it straight it. away so, so you're like oh, I can't wait to open this mm. it's, it's a tough it's a tough time of year listeners the only the time this really happened to me was when I was going off to study English and someone bought me a huge book all to do with Shakespeare and I really didn't know what to do about that uh, <laughs> that's it, a great gift and no I know it is but at the time I was like what I mean I was wanting like <laughs> PlayStation games you know what I mean and uh, and there's a big book of Shakespeare. So I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to read this next year. Uh, but anyway, yeah, but actually it turned out to be great. And I'm sure it led to one or two good grades, Phil. <laughs> How did you react to that one then? Well, that, that, this is the thing that stands to me. I can't remember very well, but I know I did a poor job. Oh, really? And I said something like, yeah, this is going to be really useful, isn't it? Yeah. And then immediately put it to the well, side. Well, I mean, it's hard to tuck into a bit of a Shakespeare's biography on Christmas Day, isn't it? Mm, Sit down by the fire. Oh, no, I'm just getting to a good bit. <laughs> it's all about Anne Hathaway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what was the hot beverage for you, hot beverage for me? This is, and this is a little bonus bonus. Merry Christmas, Phil. We're generous people, aren't we? Mm, I, we, we, it was when you and me and all our brothers met up for a little ba- actual Bailey Bros get-together. That was that fun. That ago. was really fun. It was. And uh, I was just walking there buying hot drinks for you guys. And I think in my head, I said, okay, a hot drink for me, hot drink for you. And then I just started singing, hot beverage for me, hot beverage for you, hot beverage for two, it's what we're going to do, yeah. <laughs> and I just enjoyed that in my head. It just made me think whether you have done similar. 
I mean, this is an old idea. A lot what, of you make you make up songs for your little uh, just your in little your head things. for your life, a little soundtrack. Sometimes I do just make up songs when I'm driving about thoughts in my head, and I just try and come up with little good you, riffs. Do you have any that sticking out in your mind? I have to do this one now. Then yes, you do. Oh, no, but the thing is, it's not coming from an organic place. It's 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 not the real thing. I'm not I'm, I'm not able to capture it into a bottle. That's okay, Phil. It has to be in the car. It has to be in the car when it's just you. And actually, this is another little bonus. Bonus. This is I'm moving on the conversation. You know how you or you think sometimes you feel like everyone's looking into your car and then you have to kind of get over that. Not really. And but like okay. nobody's watching you. So you kind of get used to the idea that you're just in your own little world. Yeah. And you're just kind of picking stuff out of your teeth or like giving yourself yeah, a course. scratch or whatever. <laughs> like I had an awkward moment where so I somebody did know me in the other car. No. So I was stuck at a traffic light and there was somebody in front of me. And then I found out later, she told me, she said, oh, I thought I was in front of you the other day. Oh, I tried to get your attention. In mirror. And I'm pretty certain <laughs> while that while, while that was going on, she said I had my hand in front of my mouth. I think I was doing some like personal private things. that Picking I should, nails, Yeah, that, exactly. Yeah, and biting my nails. Like just gross stuff. But Phil, you're right. You are in your own little world. And we all need to see more of that, Phil. The walls just need to come down. Oh, yeah, Why yeah. not start on the highways? Exactly. What does that mean? I don't know. I don't know. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. How the drink. <laughs> Who directed the 2000 film How the Drink. Oh, How the Grip. <laughs> Who. <laughs> What's happening to you? <laughs> right. 